This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, we want to continue our study tonight in 1 Peter chapter 1. Our verse is going to begin tonight with verse number 18. This is basically where we left off last week and a good place to begin uh, tonight. So let me read the verse and then we'll get into the study. The scripture says this, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. Well, let's talk a little bit about this, and then we'll go to the book of Acts shortly and, and see what uh, scriptures are familiar to us. In this particular passage of scripture, Peter is, I think he's reminding us that salvation is not for sale. And I want to talk about that because we, we will find a familiar passage in the book of Acts in just a moment. But I've made this statement many times before, and that is, if salvation was for sale, there would be lines circling the globe many times, people standing in line that would give anything to, to buy it. I read yesterday about this billionaire who has paid unbelievable astronomical amounts of money to, to get on a spaceship and to go into space. And I thought about that. Who has that kind of money to, to do those kind of things, you know? But it just reminded me that People do all kinds of weird stuff. And if salvation, the grace of God, was for sale, if, people, if somebody could put it in a bottle and sell it, people would be circling the globe to buy it. But because it's free, people reject it. It's too simple, too easy. It cannot be the way. Peter, in this passage of Scripture, he's reminding us that it is not for sale. Look at this again. With that thought in mind, for as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. And then he, he begins to list them. You were not redeemed with money. He says this, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, by tradition from your father. So, Hold your place here. We'll come back to it in just a minute. But go to the book of Acts because there's a very interesting story that I want to read for you in several passages, verses 1 through 24 in chapter 8. But I think it's imperative that we read it. If nothing else, it will refresh us in a Bible story that perhaps we've lost touch with. But this is what I believe uh, as I have encountered the writings of Peter thus far in our study is that Peter oftentimes, he... Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you have to remember now that it is the Spirit of God that is the, the author of this book. And, and the Scripture says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Though there are over 40 different writers, there is only one author, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. 
And as the Spirit of God is moving on the heart of Peter to write, looking at what he has already written thus far in these first 18 verses, I'm visualizing him as he writes word for word or verse by verse. He is encountering memories of his journey with the Lord, his journey with other disciples, his journey with uh, the early church and the ongoings. Have you ever been somewhere or with someone that reminded you of something you did a few years back? And you say, you know, it's just something about the event or the encounter or the place. It brought back special memories, something that you had enjoyed in the past. I can almost visualize Peter writing with that frame of mind that with every word he's writing, he's, he's almost traveling down memory lane. And so as he writes this passage in 1 Peter 1, verse number 18, and teaching a great spiritual truth that salvation is not for sale, I'm sure he is reminded of this encounter in Acts chapter 8. And I want you to follow along with me uh, because I'm going to take time to read the event uh, in verses 1 through 24. And this was his encounter with a man named Simon. I've mentioned this a few times already. Danny's done a great job teaching on the disciples and the apostles in Sunday school. And as he has brought out so well, there are many different Simons in the scripture. Many people named Simon. Here in Acts chapter 8, there was a man named Simon, all probability, Simon Magus, that Peter had this encounter with. And so I want you to look at this. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, and I want to read verses 1 through 24, Saul was consenting unto his death. Uh, and at that time, there was great persecution of the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. So you, you know who this is, right? This would be later the Apostle Paul. But you see what type of destruction he is creating for the early church. In verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. I remember when I was in the Holy Land, one of the things that I have yet to see and wanted to see so much was uh, Jacob's well. And I can remember on the last day of one of our tours, we had a half a day of touring and then we had the remainder of the day to rest for the overnight flight, coming back home and prepare for the trip and so forth. Uh, but I was determined in, on that particular trip that I was going to see Jacob's well. I didn't care what it took. I was going to do it. And so, so someone else with me, he was just as eager as, as I was. So what we did, 
because Samaria is occupied by the Arabs, we hired a, an Arab taxi driver. And I asked him, I said, do you know where Jacob's well is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no problem. And I looked at my friend and I said, we have hit the jackpot. We're going to Jacob's well. And so we get in his Arab taxi and he takes us. It's 45 minutes one way. I'm getting nervous because I know it's going to take us 45 minutes to get home. And so we pull up to this, this very rock, rocky wilderness. And, and there in the ground was this PVC pipe coming up like this. And there were, listen, I knew enough about the place that we were not in Samaria. And there was this white PVC pipe coming out of the ground. He calling us over there and we're standing there and we're, we're looking at this pipe. I'm looking at the guy. I said, what is this? He says, Jacob's well. I said, it's impossible. No, it is Jacob's well. I said, it cannot be. Said, yes, and he will be here in 10 minutes. He will show you this is his well. <laughs> that really happened. <laughs> Needless to say, we did not have time to go into Samaria. They really didn't want me there at that time anyway, but I'll never forget this. But every time I read uh, especially John chapter 4 in this place right here. It reminds me of that event. I just had to say it. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out many. And this is where the story gets interesting now. Peter's teaching us that the gospel, the salvation of Jesus Christ is not for sale. And so they were having a great revival. Philip was involved with it. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed and there was great joy in the city. But there was a certain man called Simon which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. Now, this is a careful study and, and something that I want to point out to you here because this man did not believe with his heart. It's just like, you remember there's a passage of scripture that says that even the devil believes in Jesus, that even the demons of hell believe in Jesus. 
That doesn't, believe, that doesn't mean that they have confessed him as Savior and Lord, repented of their sins and so forth, neither this man. So look at this. Then Simon himself believed also. He believed with his words. He didn't believe with his heart. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done, now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria heard the word of the Lord or heard the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that, through the laying on of hands, through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. Look at this. He offered them money. Now again, keep in mind what Peter's writing. We were not redeemed with gold and silver. You remember this now? You, you connect some of these dots? So when Peter's writing 1 Peter 1.18, there's no doubt in my mind that the Spirit of God had to bring this to his memory. And maybe as he's writing, he's saying, I remember that guy back there. He tried to do this. Now look at it. Verse 10, saying, give me also this power. He was saying to Peter, listen, this is, this is going to be our gravy train. This is going to be a money-making thing. I want you to tell me how to do this. How can I lay my hands on people and give them the Holy Ghost? How can I, how can I heal people? How can I do all of these things? Give me also, verse 19, this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, see, look at this. This man was not truly saved. I don't know how many millions upon millions of people in this world has ever said that they were saved and said that they were Christians, but it reminds me of the scripture that says, in the last day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these wonderful things? Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we do all these things? And Jesus will say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Peter is now confronting this man face to face. And he said unto him in verse 20, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now, here's where he really gets stern with this man. He said, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. You don't even know what you're talking about. For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. You're talking the talk, but you're not walking the walk. Then Peter says this in verse 22, Repent therefore of this, thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken 
come upon me. So in the midst of a great revival in Samaria, Philip was enjoying the great grace of God flowing like a river and Peter and John was sent to help in the revival. And then this man begins to offer money for the supernatural working power of the Holy Spirit. Peter rebuked him. All right, so you've got that story down now in Acts chapter 8. Come back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, I'm convinced Peter had to reminisce about that story and about that event that had taken place with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. This man had offered Peter money for the right and power to impart the Holy Ghost to other people. And so this is a truth that I want to teach you tonight. And this can be applied to all false religions of the world. You know, the scripture says, try the spirits and see if they be of God. Always remember this principle, always, that all false religions teach that salvation can be purchased or earned. Never forget that truth. All false religions teach that salvation can either be purchased or earned. And so whether it was money in this particular case or traditions or works, Peter denounced it. And so he, he made that very clear to us in verse number 18. Now look at verse 19. Because he's just covered the base. He said, you cannot buy it. You cannot work for it. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, Peter here, I, I love the way he's writing because you can always sort of like figure out what he's thinking and where his mind has, has been and where it is now. Here in this passage, there's no doubt in my mind as I read that Peter is making a comparison to the Passover lamb. And I want to give you two passages in the book of Exodus. If you're taking notes, make a notation of this and write these scriptures down. He says, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And in Exodus chapter 12, verse number 7, the scripture says, and they shall take of the blood. This is important. Peter's now mentioning the blood. I'm sure he's reminiscing to this. In Exodus 12, 7, they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now, there's something interesting about this. If you look at the very specific instructions, something is missing. And it is missing purposely. Look at it very carefully. Something is missing. Let me read it again. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and upon the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Again, something is missing intentionally. Now, look at this passage in verse 13. 
And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And so this blood of Exodus 12, it's a picture of the blood of the Lord Jesus. And there, there were very specific instructions here. The blood of the Passover lamb had to be caught, first of all, had to be caught in a basin. And then it had to be applied onto lentil, the top door frame, if you will, and then the side door post. Now here's what's missing. The blood was not given as an instruction to apply to the doorstep. The blood had to be applied to the side and to the top, but not the doorstep. Very specific here, and there's a reason for that. Because the blood of Jesus was not something to be trampled upon. This was given in very specific instructions in the book of Exodus. And I want you to see this in the book of Hebrews. Let's go there for a minute. In Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to notice with me, I'm going to read verse 28 and 29. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the son of God hath counted the blood of the covenant wherein he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. And so Peter's giving us careful instruction here that the blood of Jesus is not something to be trampled upon. So the blood that was shed, it had to be applied very specifically. And Peter's giving us now in 1 Peter chapter 119, a clear picture of the blood of Christ and the value of it. It wasn't something to be trampled upon. He calls it precious blood. Look here again in 1 Peter 1, 19. But with the precious blood, he put a high emphasis on this, the precious blood. Not just blood, but it was royal. It was precious, the precious blood. And the Greek word here for precious is timois. And it means costly. The same word here is found in 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 12. Let me give that to you real quickly here. In 1 Corinthians, let's look there together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, I'm not going to take time to read all of those verses, but the emphasis here is that word precious. It's the same word precious in verse number 19. And we need to take note of something far more valuable than earthly things. It's the precious, royal, righteous, pure blood of the Lord Jesus. It was a very costly thing. 
I want you to make a footnote of this in Acts chapter 20, verse number 28, because here we find another emphasis on the preciousness of the blood of Jesus. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Look at this which he hath purchased with his own blood. That's what makes it precious. That's what makes it pure, righteous, holy. The precious blood of Jesus because it's God's blood. The ch feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So when you go back to 1 Peter 1:19, Peter's speaking of Jesus as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Because under God's terms for his people to be forgiven, in the days of Moses, they had to take a lamb without blemish, without spot. They would have to hold it up for 14 days until the day of atonement where the priest would offer the sacrifice for the sins of the nation for the period of one year. So there's something interesting in these scriptures as Peter's writing. There's no doubt he's reminiscing as well. So we have time tonight to look at verse number 20 in 1 Peter chapter 1. The Bible says this, who fairly was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So to connect the dots on these three verses, let's read verse 18, 19, and 20 together. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers or from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who, because this is a continuation of the Lord, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And I want you to look at this word foreordained, if you would. The Bible clearly, we're going to see this in one scripture tonight before we close. You might want to turn your, your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 8. But here's the thing that I want to share with you the truth before we close tonight. God was not taken by surprise of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Salvation, grace, was not an afterthought with God. It did not come about. God did not have to look at his creation. His man and his woman, what he created in the Garden of Eden, God did not have to stumble across the event of the fall and say, oh my goodness, now what are we going to do? Heaven was not in the panic mode. It was not disrupted by any means. God was not taken by surprise of the fall of man. Let me say this along those lines. God has not been taken by surprise with COVID. This, this is not something that God stumbled across. God is omniscient. That means he knows all things. God knew that man was going to fall in Eden way before he was even created. So before God created Adam... The Holy Trinity had already placed 
in the motion, the plan of redemption. And Revelation chapter 13 and verse number eight seals the fact on that. And we'll close here with the scripture tonight. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. That's talking about the Antichrist at the time. Whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Look at this. Of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. So two things about the Lord Jesus remember tonight. He is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And number two, he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So we'll stop here tonight with verse number 20. Lord willing, we'll pick up next week with verse number 21. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.